0: Everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Specials—the OGN Special, which is the original graphic novel special. Joining me today is all of the members of the Comic Cast, and they are: This is Donovan, this is Jay,
1: and this is Stella.
0: And today, in this specific episode, we'll be reviewing Batman Earth One. Batman Earth One just came out, July of two thousand twelve. And uh, we're going to be doing a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be trying a new format, uh, which you may have heard about on the Comic Cast when reviewing these books. Uh, we'll still be giving you a synopsis of the actual book, but we'll be doing a little bit different review format. So hopefully it's a little bit more interesting. We'd love to hear your input on whether or not you enjoy the new format or not. So obviously this isn't a Comic Cast. So we don't have any news for you, so we're going to get right into the book. This came out in July of 2012. Um, It was written by Jeff Johns, with art by Gary Frank. This was a pretty big release due to the fact that it released pretty much right before The Dark Knight Rises, but it does set Batman in a different continuity. So let's go over what happens in the book. So, Batman Earth 1. We start off with uh, a man who's being chased down by Batman, and uh, after Batman tries to use his grapple gun, it fails him. And as he continues to chase this man, the man jumps onto a fire escape, Batman chases after him and jumps off a building, but he misses, and he slowly falls, knocking and trying to grab onto anything on the way down so that he can break his fall. Um, so he lands in a pile of trash, and he sees across the street two men robbing a store and the store owner saying, please help me, please help me. And, uh, in fact, Batman just stands there and watches. Then uh, a homeless person asks, uh, please don't hurt me. To which Batman hands them a wad of cash. A car pulls up and they pull away. Um, We then cut back to the past, where we see a taxi pulling up to Wayne Manor, and turns out an elderly gentleman with a with white hair and a goatee walks up. And as he approaches the front door, he sees a sign: "This is Thomas Wayne for Mayor." Um, They open the door and we find out that this is in fact Alfred. Um, he is a old war uh, friend of Thomas Wayne. Uh, we find out that Thomas Wayne is married to martha uh Martha Wayne, but her her maiden name is Matt, actually Martha Arkham. Um, she greets uh Alfred as well, and Bruce comes in the scene tearing through the house, saying that they're supposed to be going to a movie. Um, Alfred was brought in by Thomas Wayne to specifically deal with some death threats that have been coming through and to basically be someone that Thomas can trust on his security team. Um, after Alfred warns him not to go out to the movies because it's not a very wise idea, Thomas says, I want Bruce to have a normal life, and he decides he's going to go to the movies regardless of the advice that Alfred is giving him. So off they go. As they get to the movies, uh, the as the movie's about to play, the lights go out, and someone says, uh, sorry, the power's out, you're going to have to leave the building, please go through the, the exit. Uh, Bruce decides that uh, there's another theater a few blocks away and that they can still see it, so he runs out through a fire exit. Thomas and Martha follow him. He bumps into a person, and the person says, watch where you're going, kid. And uh, the kid turns around and says, I don't have to do anything, you say. My parents were the richest people in Gotham, to which he says, you're the wing kid. And momentarily, he has Bruce, um, in his hands with a gun pointed to his head telling Thomas and Martha to give them all their money. Moments later, um, their bodies are laying on the ground as they are shot. Um, the police show up and, uh, Bruce is, you know, reeling in the fact that he witnessed his parents' murder. Um, back at Wayne Manor, Alfred is there asking the police for any kind of details, any kind of information relating to the death threats that they've recently received. Um, there's a woman there who appears to be a lawyer for the Waynes and says, uh, there's, uh, a small thing. Did you know that the Waynes had you as their legal guardian in case anything happened to them? Um, to which Alfred replies, I'm not a parent. I have never, I've never raised a child. Um, they specifically say that Thomas and Martha were their last of their respective families, and, um, if, uh, he says no... Bruce will go into foster care. So as we see, uh, Alfred say to the, uh, say to Bruce, uh, listen, I, I'm, I need you to eat this food. Bruce replies, who the hell are you? And Alfred replies, I'm your butler." We then cut to the present time where Batman comes back to, uh, Wayne Manor to see Alfred with a bag packed and looking like he's about to leave. As, uh, As uh, Alfred says, so this is your life now, Bruce says, you may have given up, but I won't. Um, We then see a uh, Jim Gordon at a funeral, and uh, we then cut to him right at um, the police headquarters as Barbara Gordon comes to visit him to bring him some food. Um, As uh, he says, what are you doing out here? You shouldn't be out here this late at night. Um, He gets called in to see the captain. As he gets called in, he tells Barbara to go back home, and uh, she insists that she can take the bus, and Gordon goes to see the captain. Um, the captain wants to introduce Gordon to his new uh, partner, who is Harvey Bullock, He, a person who hosted a TV show called Hollywood Detectives. He was on the show for five seasons, and uh, the show got canceled. But uh, he's decided that he wants to move to Gotham to deal with some real crime. And uh, as he looks out the window, he sees Barbara and waves to, or and sees Barbara waving and uh, s- makes a comment, "Hi yourself, sweetheart." As Harvey and Gordon get acquainted with each other, Harvey says that his intent is to solve the murders of Thomas and Martha Wayne, um, and then to take him from television to film. We then cut to the past yet again where we see an older Bruce Wayne, um, in, maybe in his teens hearing some sounds from the mausoleum inside of the cemetery on the grounds of Wayne, of the Wayne Manor. And he goes out to the mausoleum only to find a bunch of bats flocking outside or flocking out of the mausoleum as he opens the door. As he goes inside, he finds a bunch of, uh, sets of armor. Uh, we then cut to current day where Bruce is looking at these same sets of armor. But these sets of armor are now in cases um, inside the house. Um, As uh, we we see another flashback of uh, Bruce talking to someone named Jessica, and as it turns out, Jessica is tempting or is is kind of baiting uh, Bruce into going into the Arkham um, Asylum or Arkham Manor. I should say it's not necessarily an asylum. It's used used to be where all of the Arkhams lived and grew up, um, and he says, you know, it's not a good idea for us to go in there. Uh, Someone approaches, and it appears to be someone named Hardy Dent, who appears to be a bully to both Jessica and Bruce. Um, And then he insists that the reason why um, he doesn't want to go in there is because he knows everyone in his family is crazy, because everyone who lived in that house, the Arkham house, Um, went crazy. So then we cut back to the future time where we see Alfred and Bruce going back and forth talking about how this isn't a good idea. And Bruce saying he needs to know about who he needs to figure out who killed his, his parents. After Alfred says, uh, you know, there's, you know, we've looked into this before. We've never really found anything to which, uh, Bruce replies, you know, I was looking into uh, Jacob Weaver. Jacob Weaver was a cop who was supposed to be on duty the night that my parents were murdered. And he was the first one to the scene of my parents' murder, but for some reason I saw him and he has the lighter that I gave my father the Christmas before they were married. So after Alfred, uh, kind of decides that, you know, maybe it is, maybe it is worth looking into, he insists that Bruce has a gun. Bruce says, no, there's no guns. And, uh, Alfred says, you can't fight this corrupt mayor of Gotham who could have possibly ha- been involved with the murder of your parents with a tangled spool of, spool of wire and some gadgets that don't work. So then Bruce says, well, then he'll find someone to work. So then we see the Wayne Medical Group and there's a door inside of there, which with a small office that has uh, the words the foxhole written on it. And uh, Bruce Wayne appears to talk to somebody named Mr. Fox and uh, explains that, uh, He's looking for someone to do some work for him, and uh, he explains that he's aware that Mr. Fox used to be a lead designer on the neuroprosthetics processor and that the project got canceled because so, uh, one of the other doctors took over it and it didn't end up working. Um, so basically, uh, Bruce convinces Fox to fix his uh, grapple gun and explains that he needs it for mountain climbing. Um, and then explains that if he gets it to work, he will get him his project back. As he walks off, we see Harvey and Gordon talking about the rules within Gotham as they witness a, uh, a mugging or a beating. And uh, Harvey says, uh, we need to take care of this. And Gordon says, no, we can't. We have to go to our security detail. And uh, Harvey says, listen, stop the car. This is something we have to take care of. So as he goes over there, he goes to arrest the uh, the gentleman who's beating up on a woman, and uh, as he's doing that, um, Gordon walks up and says, "Let him go, let him go." And uh, Harvey doesn't really understand what's going on. And uh, after Gordon apologizes to this man known as Axe, um, the man leaves and warns Gordon that uh, another accident will happen if, uh, if this keeps happening so the that this rookie better, uh, learn the rules of Gotham. Gordon then explains to Harvey that, uh, the reality of Gotham is that there are certain criminals that are protected by the mayor and the mayor in turn is in charge of the police force. So there's certain people that you're not, you're not allowed to touch regardless of you, whether or not you're the police or not. So as they drive off in silence, we cut to Bruce Wayne, who's looking at his new grapple gun, and it appears to work perfectly. And uh, they appear to be, uh, Alfred is driving Bruce to a gala uh, for the 300th birthday of Gotham City, and we are introduced to the mayor for the first time, who is Mayor Oswald Cobblepot. As he, uh, meets with Bruce Wayne and starts talking to him, he says, you know, this is all, this is your family's legacy just as much as, uh, mine. Um, if there's anything we can do for you, just let us know. Um, meanwhile, we see a girl who's locked inside of a room. Um, and she is approached by somebody wearing a hood over their face, uh, with a birthday cake and some candles. Uh, we then see Gordon and Harvey on their security detail at the gala, and uh, Harvey sees Bruce Wayne and, and seeks him out. He introduces himself to Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne says, yes, you're uh, that police officer on TV. Didn't they just cancel that series? To which Bruce Wayne then walks off, and Harvey says, prick. <laughs> then we uh, see Bruce Wayne walking off. Um, he's trying to follow uh, Jacob Weaver. Um, he falls into the roof after he changes into his uh, Batman costume and as he gets to the roof he uh, grabs the lighter, sees that it is in fact the same lighter that at that same point finds out that he's not the only person up there with Jacob Weaver. There's a lot of other cops. So the cops start coming up uh, coming up the stairs as uh, Batman's fighting off numerous uh, security detail people that're on the roof. As they open, as the police officers open the door, they see this Batman, uh, beating up the security detail and, uh, Batman's throwing fists left and right and actually clock squirting in the <laughs> face as well. Uh, then, uh, Batman picks up the lighter and is about to run off when he starts getting shot at and actually gets pinged across the head and loses his balance and falls off the side of the building, losing also his grip on the lighter. Uh, he pulls out the new grapple gun and uses it, and it, it does in fact work. Um, and he uses it to crash through the window, which just so happens to be on the same floor that the party's on. As uh, Mayor Cobblepot's pretty pissed about the party being ruined, um, the police officers uh, are now on the same floor and are telling him to freeze. When he drops some vials, and some gas, um, some gas bursts out, giving him the distraction needed to get away. He bursts through the window, gets into the car, uh, bruised, bloodied, and battered, uh, Alfred drives off. We uh, then cut to a scene in the past where Bruce is walking with his mother past the uh, Arkham Manor, and uh, she explains that uh, he needs to promise her never to ever go into the house, um, because bad things happen to people who go in the house. We then cut to present time, where Bruce is laying in bed bandaged up watching the TV, and, uh, it appears that the media is going nuts with the reports of this Batman character. Um, numerous people are also paying attention to the same newscast, Lucius Fox, Barbara Gordon, um, and then everybody at the police headquarters. As it, uh, as we continue on, the last person who's keeping track of the newscast is also Oswald Cobblepot who explains he wants this Batman character dead, and he wants to know why this person was after Jacob Weaver. Um, he ha- And uh, Cobblepot explains he has enough problems with the dents digging around, we need to find out exactly what's going on, and uh, he proceeds to go eat dinner. As he's eating dinner, he explains uh, that uh, the birthday boy needs to get a phone call. Um, there's a girl who is brought into the room, who is, as we are led to believe, the um, the daughter of Judge Patterson, who is in charge of Jessica Dent, who at this point um, is uh, we we can assume a prosecutor, or someone high within the the ranks of Gotham City, and Judge Patterson's daughter is there, and he uh, Ping- and uh, Cobblepot says he'll like you. He continues to eat as the girl gets uh, hauled off. Uh, we then cut to Gotham uh, PD's headquarters where Harvey and uh, Gordon are talking to each other. And uh, Gordon explains, don't you have some paperwork to fill out? The mayor called and wants to know exactly who Batman is. We need to figure out what's going on. Um, Gordon leaves to go home and Harvey decides he's going to try to look for the files on the Wayne murders. Um he then uh we then cut to Bruce, who again is still bandaged he's uh, walking through the house and he sees the lighter um He looks at the lighter is in fact the lighter that he gave to his uh his dad for christmas and uh Alfred explains that he found the lighter laying next to him when they fell off uh when he fell off the building um Alfred tries to explain that he's not ready for what he's trying to do, and uh, Bruce says, yes, he is ready. And Alfred says, no, you're an entitled brat, and you're not even close to ready. So they start fighting each other
2: mm-hmm.
0: back and forth, beating the heck out of each other for numerous pages. And uh, every move that Bruce makes, Alfred counters it with a better move. Uh, they get into the room with the cases with the armor in it, and uh, as they start beating each other, Alfred explains, "You don't want to work with guns. You don't. You want to. You, you think the cops are your allies. Uh, you think you have friends all over the place, but you don't understand how this entire town is uh, in it for themselves. Um, you're not willing to go as where you have to go because you're not willing to sink down to Gotham's level." Um, so as uh, he's saying this, all of a sudden, Bruce leans over and uh, kicks out Alfred's leg, literally meaning that Alfred has a prosthetic leg that breaks off and Alfred falls to the floor. As Alfred uh, lands on the floor, Bruce looks at him and says, "Uh, I will do everything that I have to, and I'll do it by myself. And Alfred replies as Bruce walks off to himself, bloody hell, maybe he is ready. We then cut to Jacob Weaver, who arrives home to his house and sees a birthday cake that says, Happy Birthday, Jacob. and And someone says, Make a wish, but you can't tell anyone. And then uh, we see a knife go up in the air, Jacob Weaver's face in horror, and the candles extinguished. We then see Harvey Bullock in the case file room talking to the person in charge, and he's looking to get the files on uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, um, to which she replies, uh, you're not on my list, so unfortunately I can't give you the paperwork because you're not in the system yet. Uh, come back tomorrow. And he says, oh, no, uh, you know, the thing is they're for my partner, James Gordon. And she says, okay, we'll sign his name on this list, and I'll get them for you. Um, someone pulls the files, and turns out that person calls uh, somebody related to the mayor and explains that James Gordon pulled the files on uh, Wayne's murders. We then cut to Gordon, who arrives home and says, Barbara, where are you? And we find out that she's at the library as she pulled an extra shift. Um, because the rent check bounced, and she's trying to help him out. As she's waiting at a bus stop, uh, someone approaches and takes her away. Uh, Bruce is in the car, in his Batman outfit, driving around in a normal car. As he pulls past the police, um, he realizes that, again, the police are not his friends. We then see Gordon uh, having a knock on his door, opens up the door to have Harvey Bullock show him the uh, files, um, on the Wayne murders. Um, as it turns out, uh, he Gordon receives a phone call from Bo- Barbara, but it's not Barbara, it's Axe. And it turns out that Axe is saying to him, you know, you're not supposed to be taking files out on murders that you're not supposed to be looking up, uh, to which he says, you better put those files back, because if you don't, there's going to be even issues, and we've got your daughter. Gordon gets off the phone and looks at Bullock Throws him up against the wall and says, you stupid bastard. You checked out those files under my name. Um, and he says, you don't understand the, the people who control Gotham. Now they have my daughter because they think I'm looking into the murders. Uh, so then he's, uh, Gordon says, um, well, now I have to figure out how to get my sister. Or I, <laughs> now I have to, now I have to figure out how to get my daughter back. We have to put those files back. Bullock says, Listen, uh, you know where Axe is, right? Well let's go see if he likes baseball, and he picks up a baseball bat. We then see Axe standing on a corner harassing two women, and uh all of a sudden whack he gets hit across the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> um turns out Bullock hit him with the baseball bat and says, You know, I understand, I get this city, this is Gotham City. It's not good cop, bad cop, it's bad cop, bad cop. And you see uh Bullock with a bat and Gordon with a crowbar going after Axe. Uh, we then see a building that has the, uh, that was that, that Bruce Wayne passed earlier. And as it turns out, there was a girl inside of there, uh, or Jacob Weaver's house. The, the house that Batman pulled up to before was Jacob Weaver's house. And he finds out that Jacob Weaver was actually dead but he sees some markings on the floor that uh, sh- leads him to believe that it's rust and leads him to know that he needs to go to Arkham. Um, as he goes to Arkham, he can hear somebody shouting inside, saying, somebody help, somebody help, and it's none other than Barbara Gordon. Um, as the door pops open, we see um, the hooded man pop in, which at this point we know is, his name is Birthday Boy. He has a birthday cake and is saying, make a wish. Um, Batman proceeds into the Arkham Asylum slash manor and, uh, sees a picture on the wall of his mother as a child and, uh, realizes that it has a memory of his mother saying, you know, please don't ever go into this place because it's a bad place. We then see Bullock and Gordon outside of the same building and, uh, they say they're gonna go inside and they're gonna find the daughter. Um and they ex- and Gordon explains this place is completely it's a giant maze and people get lost in here all the time. We then see a map of Gotham City, which is also what appears to be one giant swirl on a piece of land of uh, all the buildings in like a swirl shape. Um, as Bull after Bullock looks at the picture, he turns around and and Gordon's gone. Gordon actually runs into Batman and as it turns out, um, Gordon pulls his gun and says, you know, did you take my daughter? You know, I want to know what's going on. Batman explains, I have nothing to do with your daughter's disappearance. I heard someone here. I'm here for a completely different reason. Uh, Batman and Gordon have uh, trade a couple blows um, while we see Bullock finding a, a room um, that says uh, you'll all go crazy. <laughs> uh, we then hear again, we then hear Barbara uh, Gordon again saying, stay away from me, to which then Gordon realizes that Batman has nothing to do with it, and they all, three of them, try to head towards that. Barbara Gordon fights back on her own and stabs uh, Birthday Boy with a chair leg in his leg. And uh, as they all rush towards Birthday Boy, um, it turns out Batman bursts through the wall oh, uh, yeah. before Birthday Boy stabs Barbara Gordon. Um, as, uh, birthday boy and Batman, um, fight with each other back and forth, uh, birthday boy overpowering Batman on numerous occasions, Gordon gets Barbara out of there and, uh, actually sh- pulls off a shot and shoots, uh, birthday boy through the shoulder. Batman again grabs, uh, grabs onto birthday boy and puts a chokehold on him and shouts for Gordon to get out. As they, um, as that happens, they actually fall through the floor, and, uh, they start fighting each other again. Uh, they, but where they fell through the floor, it turns out that Harvey Bullock is right there, and he says, uh, get out of the way so I can get a clear shot, and, uh, it doesn't really work. But, uh, as Bullock tries to jump at, um, Birthday Boy, birthday boy takes bullock and shoves him straight through the floor and he falls and he falls into a pit that is filled with, um, small or er, female, female child or er, small girl or er, trying to think of the best way of corpses, uh,
3: birthday boy's victims,
0: yeah, uh, birthday boy's victims which happen to be, uh, young girls. Um, Batman and Birthday Boy continue to fight with each other. Um, Birthday Boy explains, oh, you've got a cape. Uh, that's a, that's a stupid thing. And, uh, Batman explains, no, <laughs> oh, it's actually a weapon and throws it over Birthday Boy's face and slowly starts suffocating him. To which he eventually passes out. And, uh, Batman goes and helps Bullock out of the hole. And, uh, the evil that, uh, Bullock just found, he cannot get out of his mind. Um, we then see outside of the, uh, asylum, we see, uh, Bullock in a complete state of shock because of all the bodies that he found. There's also a person inside of Gordon's trunk. And, uh, they all drive away. And, uh, as it turns out, Cobblepot is at his, uh, his own mansion when Batman pops in and says, uh, and, and says, listen, I, 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 Cobblepot says, I wanna know who you are, who are you? And Batman says, I'm Vengeance. And then, uh, Cobblepot says, Vengeance? Ha ha ha, how dramatic! To which Batman punches him across the face and <laughs> says, I know exactly who you are, you're a murderer, and, uh, pot grabs an umbrella and says, uh, stay back. Batman kinda snickers and says, an umbrella? You're gonna stop me with an umbrella? But then he realizes that the umbrella actually has a knife at the end of it, uh, Cobblepot smashes something across Batman's head and says, I don't know who you are, but, uh, if you came here to kill me, you you are, you're in the wrong situation here. Um, to which he then grabs onto, uh, Batman's mask and pulls it off and it's, and is revealed that it's Bruce Wayne. Um, then Bruce Wayne says, you had my parents killed, you took them from me, to which Cobblepot says, uh, listen, I know exactly how this all happened. This all makes sense now. You were going after Jacob Weaver because uh, you found, because of whatever reason, but uh, he cut the power to the theater. But my men were supposed to get get your parents before, but as it turns out, that didn't work because someone else killed them for me because that's what this city does. There are two kinds of people in Gotham. There are predators and there are pay, and there's a third kind. You're forgetting about Cobblepot, says uh, Alfred survivors as Alfred appears in the doorway with a shotgun <laughs> and uh blows Penguin right out the window with the shotgun. Oh yes. Cowpot lands on the on the ground, bleeding, presumably dead. Alfred helps uh Bruce up and says, uh stay with me and uh says, let's get you home. We then see um the police and we hear a news report of um, all the events that have happened, the, we find out that it, Cobblepot is in fact dead, that, uh, Birthday Boy was on, ping, uh, was on Cobblepot's, was on Cobblepot's, uh, payroll, and Birthday Boy was actually a serial killer fascinated with young girls resembling his first victim, a 15-year-old debutante Tante Amanda Grant. Um, the police, Gotham poli- Police Department, uh, claims that Batman is responsible for both the capture of the Birthday Boy, And the death of Mayor Cobblepot. We also see uh Fox working on some more gadgets, what appeared to be the batarangs. And uh we find out that uh actually Jessica Dent was the Jessica that Bruce Wayne was with was friends with when she was younger, and her uh twin brother, the D.A. Harvey Dent, um are now even more powerful because Jessica Dent was sworn in as the new mayor of Gotham city. Um, Gotham is changing and the, and Bruce Wayne checked himself into a hospital earlier after being mugged. And uh, <laughs> suddenly we see, uh, axe tied up and thrown into the police department. And someone says, what happened to him? And he says, he walked in front of my car and then one of the cops says, "What are you doing?" And he goes, I'm, "I'm... What am I doing?" He's under arrest. And they say, "You can't arrest him." And then they say, and then Gordon says, "Why not?" Uh, so who else says he can't be arrested? Who else is a damn coward? And then uh, Gordon says, "Not me. Not anymore." And uh, then uh, they realize that uh, Gordon is a completely changed person. We then see Barbara Gordon in the library reading a number of different books, including karate. Judo, <laughs> martial arts, self-defense. Um, so sh- that's uh, presumably looking towards something and drawing a, 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 a possible costume for herself as Batgirl. <laughs> uh, we then see on the streets of Gotham, we see Harvey Bullock walking around. He walks into a liquor store, and uh, he looks up, and there's tons of liquor, and, he's, and the shopkeeper says, what can I get for you? And he says, whatever's the strongest. Still reeling in shock of... The evil that he saw in that basement we then see bruce wayne in his manner talking to alfred um talking about how his parents murder was not a conspiracy it was just a random robbery and that uh alfred explains well now you can stop and bruce says no alfred um i can never stop and i'll always be alone and then alfred replies you'll never be alone um you want to fix the city, fine, but, uh, we have to, you have to train better and we need to build a better Batman and then, uh, and then, uh, you replies, uh, no, we have to do more than that. We have to, we, we need to build a legend and that is where Batman earth one ends, but not before we see a number of newspaper clippings that say, who is Batman? Who is Batman? And a couple computer screens, um, with some question marks on it and someone saying, who is Batman? What a riddle.
1: <laughs> bum, 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 bum.
0: All right, so that was Batman Earth 1. Now, the first thing I want to talk about with Batman Earth 1 is the difference between uh, Earth 1 and the current Earth that the DCNU is actually taking place on. So I've got a couple of things that... The, the first thing I'm going to bring up, and then I'll open the floor to somebody else's point is the the connection between the Waynes and Arkham. So obviously the uh the di- the big diff- biggest difference is that instead of Martha Kane we have Martha Arkham and she's actually the daughter of um an Arkham and the Waynes and Arkhams are actually married obviously um and the the, the biggest the, the biggest thing is that The Arkhams are not just some, you know, family that's a part of Gotham's history, but they have actually intertwined the history with the Waynes. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they changed that. And obviously, I'm sure in, once we get a second volume and things like that, that could play a part as far as the, the, the talk about the Arkham Asylum. Obviously, Arkham Asylum plays a, or Arkham Mansion, I should say, plays a part in the story in here, but I think, Ultimately, it could play a bigger role in future story points as well.
2: I thought it was interesting, the whole Arkham bit, because it was a way to kind of differentiate um, the main continuity from Earth-1 continuity. I think that when I was reading this story, Jeff Johns was taking – I felt a big Batman 89 vibe in it. And I'm not saying there's, there's strict similarities, but I thought that the storytelling was kind of similar in that they were trying to dredge up uh, connections – to not connections, but uh, similarities in the old continuity – with this without actually like like the penguin i felt like was more of a uh it felt more natural for the universe more of like uh i don't want to say a cameo but throw the penguin in there and then kill him off which i loved rather than just have you know him be a villain it felt more like they were adapting concepts from the old history to make a new story but kind of having the same kind of flavor i suppose i'm not sure if that's really coming across with, with how i'm articulating it but uh I thought that, like, like, for instance, the Arkham think or Alfred being, you know, ex-military, those are kind of, like, so, those are kind of connections and similarities, but, Bob, it's sort of like being different but still being the same.
1: Okay, okay, Uh Well, I liked the political background of the Waynes, which was something I think that was different, and, you know, in... in Continuity that we deal with every day, and even in the past, the Waynes have always had, you know, a tie to Gotham City, and for the most part, they've really seemed um, like they were philanthropic and really trying to help gotham get back to this really epic city that it should be and i think that this was a way to keep that intact that they were connected to the city but in a different way uh really get to the politics and get in and really hit it hard because if you're a leader then you're able to get some of that um get past that red tape and really um do what matters for the city so i think that that was great and that as well just tied into Penguin, I think, really well and brought him, and he was in, you know, thrown in, in a different way as well. And he, he had, you know, this, this political background as well. So I think it was just a neat way to put the Waynes in a more important position and give, um, give us a reason for why the Waynes were killed because you know in the past there, there were some reasons different stories kind of dabbled in that you know um, Thomas did something and so the guy that he did it to decided to get back at him and so he hired Joe Chill things like that so this is a, another way to go about you know why were they killed what was that point and I, I just like that I thought that was great
0: and kind of going off of not only Stella's comments but also Don's I thought it was kind of interesting that, uh, Cobblepot was actually mayor because as Don said, it kind of brings back to the movies where Cobblepot in Batman Returns was running for mayor, but Uh also it brings up the political points that Stella's talked about where there is a lot more political aspect with this, with the, uh, the Wayne's, um, or well, Thomas Wayne running for office and Cobblepot being mayor. It puts the political, aspect, really in the forefront of the story, more so than most of the other uh, stories we've ever seen before, because we really haven't seen any really political ties. Um, We've seen, obviously, political references and things like that in Batman stories, but nothing as specific as, you know, a, a specific main character within the Batman universe, either running for office or actually being in office. So I, I, think that was kind of interesting as
3: well. Uh, well, I guess something that we hardly ever see in normal continuity is Batman failing at anything. So it's, I find it interesting to see that throughout the book. Um, I think it tends to be played up a bit too much, but, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting to see him not being, you know, the, the dynamic dark knight that we're used to seeing.
2: I think that, I think that was kind of nice in that it was, Not so much him, like, you know, failing, like, like making the jump or whatever, but he was screwing up a lot, mostly throughout the story, and to the point where even Alfred said, this whole thing is stupid, you're not doing this right, you know, you're going by this wrong way, and knowing the story of Batman, we know that, like, this is basically who he's going to become, but everybody's telling him differently, and him sort of making it on his own, like, where Alfred says, you know, "You, you, you can't fight people in a costume without using a gun, you know, you're too soft, and... Going along with the lines of like you know Gordon's uh, uh sort of like you know Gordon's I won't say he's corrupt but you know his 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 hesitance to actually be a, an effective cop, a lot of this felt a lot more cynical, but it not not in a you know like 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 Batman sucks kind of way but more like a really harsh realistic sort of way that I think actually brings out the idea of Batman in a stronger tone. Like, you know, having a supervillain in the other continuity be the mayor in this continuity, having Gordon at first be a really kind of uh, BS cop, I suppose, having all these instances where Batman's uh, really trying to be a really stupid idea, I think it was an interesting writing technique from Jip Johns to really sort of uh fundamentally reassert Batman, I suppose, in this sort of like, because this Earth-1 it's supposed to be more realistic continuity anyway.
1: Uh, I also liked Alfred and Thomas's connection. Uh, now, I guess I- I'll play the uh, I-, I don't know <laughs> the card, but I feel like there wasn't as tight or there isn't as tight a connection between the two of them uh, in our actual Earth, whatever Earth we're on. I know it's not 616. Um, it- is that correct? Like there wasn't this sort of really close connection? No, there was more of a connection in the current Earth
0: with um – Thomas and Jarvis, but right. never really Alfred.
1: Alfred and uh, and Thomas. Yeah, so I just liked that uh, they were sort of war buddies um, and that Thomas saved Alfred and then Alfred comes back in and, and almost repays that debt by taking care of Bruce. And I like the fact that Alfred is sort of going to be this... Um, not really a sidekick, I think, but but definitely a partner, a partner, and, and I think we're starting to see this in the current TV series Arrow as well with uh Diggle and Ollie, but just like a partner to work together, and I think that's a great departure from the Alfred, you know, constantly cleaning his wounds and trying to give him encouragement and being sort of the dry sense of humor, but but not really going out of that position of taking care of Bruce. And so I think this will be great. And, and I think that this sort of gets our feet wet and ready for uh, the Beware the Batman because that seems like that's how that relationship is going to be as well, where they're fighting alongside each other rather than Batman fighting and then coming home and, and being mended and, and turned out again by Alfred.
0: The, uh, the other thing that was kind of interesting was the difference between specific characters. Like, for example, Harvey Bullock. Um, Harvey Bullock is a very different character as we see him when he first comes. Now, at, by the end of the issue, he could end up becoming the Harvey Bullock that we know in, uh, normal continuity, but, uh, based off the fact that he takes the bottle, um, he could let himself go, but the reality is we, we, we are introduced to Harvey Bullock as a very different character from what we normally know. Um, very straight edge, very determined to, well, he's still determined in normal continuity as well, but more of a, determined without any sort of degree of caution is the best way I guess I could put it. But then also the, the 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 interesting thing is that he does make a point at once at uh, when uh, he first meets Gordon, where he looks out the window and he says he, he basically has like an eye for Barbara, and I thought that was kind of interesting because that could essentially play into something later on, unless of course because of what happens by the end of the book, he realizes who Gordon's daughter is and then he stays away. But just from when we first meet him, he you know he doesn't really have a care in the world. As far as the reality of what the what Gotham is, he's more, you know, stuck in this Hollywood um, ideal of what Gotham City is and how it can benefit himself.
2: Yeah, it's like, uh, when I first read this, I kept on, I think the very first time, 99% of the time I was confusing Harvey Bullock with Harvey Dent in this story. And they show Harvey Dent, so like it, I should, that was kind of dumb. But, uh... It's so, this is, that's probably one of the strangest or strongest differences in that, you know, he's in good shape. He's relatively handsome. He's always upbeat and positive. And it's just like, when you compare him to the normal Harvey Bullock, it's almost a caricature in that he's just completely 180. And again, I think that like, as a writing, as a writing, uh, tool, Jeff John's kind of inverse the idea of Bullock. He's still a good cop, but like, uh, and then the other, the other version, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's very slippy, he drinks and smokes and is typically a, a bad cop. And it's almost like, you know, Goplin, like at the end, we're kind of led on to the point that he will have a drinking problem and shows what Goplin can do to people like him. But it's interesting because, you know, you, you, and all the good guys in this story, you have Alfred, you have Gordon, you have Batman, you have uh, Bullock. I think Bullock in this story is the one with the least bit of dark <laughs> baggage in his nature. And I think, you know, by the end, it's this sort of story kind of brings out the darkness that would like kind of lead you to do good things or be more effective. So that was another sort of like inversion that I think uh, works well for the story. I think is one of the more memorable parts of the story.
3: I think it was uh, brought up already that this is supposed to be a more realistic Batman, but I think there's also a lot here uh, inspired by the movies, I think. And, um, I mean, I get why they've done it, you know, because this is it's like a graphic novel and stuff. People are kind of drawn to those, and especially with the Dark Knight Rises just coming out, I think they tied them together well. But it's interesting to see the familiarities between the Christopher Nolan movie continuity and the comic continuity and the, the blending of them. Uh For instance, Commissioner Gordon basically being Gary Oldman
0: especially as Gary Oldman plays Gordon in uh, Batman Begins.
2: Yeah, definitely. Or or the whole Lucius Fox gives Batman his crap thing, Yeah. Which is, which is totally movies only.
1: The final character I wanted, well, I guess there were two. One was small and then one was a, a bigger one. Harvey Dent. Uh, it was very interesting to see him and what he was like in the beginning and just said he's, that he's a real jerk from the start that he's just, yeah, he's just a complete jerk from the start, and I kind of always saw him as I mean, slightly arrogant but I thought he always had sort of a, a nicer personality, so this was sort of a departure from that, and it was really interesting to see Harvey and, and his sister, Jessica, both being big names in the justice system so I sort of wonder uh, what will come of this, and that's kind of scary that they're sort of, they were twins, were they? I don't remember I think so,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, they were twins. Okay, this so this should be should be interesting. Uh, but the big character in this book, I thought, was also Gotham City. And I thought that it, it was really focused on more than it has been recently. I think perhaps, you know, with Court of the Owls and all of that stuff, we've really started picking up Gotham City as a character and, and how it affects people. But I thought this really gets to the heart of it. You, you know, the first 100 pages or so, it really shows how the city pulls people down. It destroys their hopes and, and you know, and their lives and everything more than anything else. And I think the the turnaround comes when, when Gordon and Bullock go after. The come back. get now, this southern city, it's bad bad, 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 And I think that once people understand that you know the city is sort of what it's doing this, and that the people need to be able to change it and be able to stand up and, and do it right, then it's gonna hopefully get better. But uh, I just thought it was great, sort of on this city like that.
0: All right. So then, my second point is some of the. Uh... I want to talk about the art. Uh, Gary Frank did a, a really good job with the art throughout this entire issue. But there are some things I'd like to bring up. So the very first thing is, um, well, it wouldn't be a TBU podcast if we can talk a little bit about the cheesecake. Um, why not? When, uh, now at first, when I first uh, made my note on this, I specifically said that there was cheek, cheesecake throughout, but, you know, re- reviewing the issue yet again, um, I guess I was—I guess there was so much cheesecake during the party scene that it actually blinded me from everything else. Because as I look through it, really the only cheesecake is during that that specific party scene. But the interesting thing about that is that there was actually a total—I I, I counted it—it it was like three different style dresses, but the same type of dress was pretty much in every single woman. There, it didn't matter if they were old, young. Uh, you know, slightly overweight. They all had the same type of dress that accentuated their chest to a degree that was more, more than you would ever see at any charity function.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to say I noticed the cheesecake. Cause I think the one scene was like, you know, where the debutantes and socialites of Gotham city were sort of, you know, gathered. So you're going to see women in dresses. And I, I don't think that, it wasn't like, I don't know, they're walking around in thongs and glass high heels and everything. Uh, although there was a lot of really busted women in there, I think that it was just kind of part of the course. But I could be missing something, uh, because these DC comics have blinded me to that. I I really like the shots of um, as I'm going over there again. I think that like some of the characters are just really well defined. Like Alfred and Penguin, they look very like real, very much like real people. Uh, one really nasty shot when the Penguin's talking to Jacob Weaver. And or I think he's talking about him. And like, there's that little girl being sent to the birthday boy, and you see Penguin like licking his fingers in the end. This looks absolutely disgusting, which had to have been from the uh, Batman Returns version of the character. Um, contrast that with uh, most of the time when Harvey Bullock is talking, it's this very smug look on his face. His, his eyes kind of turned up. He has this like 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 smile, which Gary Frank gives all his characters to like really ugly people. Um, and just, just, you know, the look of, uh, Alfred generally with his, his, he's, he's not a very angry character, but he's a very strong, silent kind of character where the beard kind of like, kind of masks a lot of emotion in his face. Like the fight between him and Bruce Wayne, where you saw him, he's, he's soft and emotional is really good. So I think that like, for just on, on a, on a pure, uh, skin deep level, the art in this, in terms of the people's facial expressions and, what Gary Frank gives to the book is really very impressive. I mean, I think the art is absolutely top notch in this story.
3: Yeah, I'll agree that the art is really good. It's clear that Gary Frank had a lot of time to work on this because uh, we know from things like Justice League, the backup, and that that when he doesn't have enough time, it starts to uh, the quality goes down. But I mean, it's still good in that, but it's it's extra good in this, and I think even. It's, he does a very good job of defining Bruce through all the stages of his life in this. You can clearly see, you know, that he's he's growing older throughout the story and whereas in the uh, Shazam backup of Justice League at the moment, it tends to be very line heavy and it just looks like an old man shrunk down into a, a child-sized body. <laughs> uh, here he does a good job of making Bruce look young and all of the characters, and I think they all look very different he does a good job of, uh, yeah, not repeating same character models and stuff like that. So, a uh, very good job with that.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, just like Joe, he really does capture, you know, the different sequences of of Bat of Bruce's life, and I think he really gets at those iconic sort of Batman shots that everyone, you know, really expects. And I really like the beginning sequence, just it's got a layer of suspense and drama to it, you know. The man is running and it's just like those horror films where the, the main character's running away and, and the, the guy with the hawking mask he just has to walk and he'll catch up to him and you know you've got Batman cloaked in darkness. And it's just sort of the perfect um way to to really bring Batman in. But there are just, you know, great fight scenes and And, uh, or punching scenes as it were with with Gordon and his glasses flying off. But, but yeah, I, I certainly agree with, um, with Joe and with, yeah, with what everyone said. I, I particularly liked the, uh, um, bullock at the, sort of at the end just in front of the liquor counter, that overwhelming amount of liquor behind there, just that wall. And, uh, it's just sort of like this. I'm sorry, well.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, a glorious liquor.
1: Yeah, Uh it, it's just sort of, I mean, it raises a lot of red flags, right? You're Well, obviously, it's going to go downhill from there, but it also sort of makes you sympathetic to him and what he went through, seeing all those dead bodies, and sort of concerned for his future. So I guess we'll see what happens for Bullock in the future.
0: The only other art shot that I want to mention that wasn't mentioned was um, the map of Gotham City now. Gotham City has been very distinct as being the same sort of format regardless of whether it's um, a miniseries that's not related to current continuity or whether or not it's even in the recent Chris Nolan films. The shape of Gotham City has really been the same since the 90s. And with this, they completely turned Gotham City upside down and it has a lot to do with the association with the Arkham's with the entire city being almost a swirl, swirl leading to the Arkham mansion in the center of the city. So I thought that was really cool because there's a different take, and it's obviously there's no cities that are actually like that. So it's not like they got the inspiration for, you know, this new format for or the, the way Gotham is created from a different city because there are no cities like this. It's very unique, and at the same time, it shows how crazy the Arkhams really were. When coming up with the beginnings of Gotham City.
2: Um, there's some, there's some, again, really good shots by Gary Frank here. Then some really nice splash pages, splash pages, uh, such as Batman, uh, crashing through the window very dramatically as everyone's like, what? Oh no. Uh, of Gordon and Bullock with the, uh, the bat and the crowbar when they're talking about Axe saying, you know, oh, I understand now. Mm. It's good cop, bad cop. Whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Um, <laughs> There's, uh, there's re- the revelation of, you know, the birthday boy with the, uh, him saying make a wish when Barbara's on the ground. And I think the, the physicality, Gary Frank, he's a great anatomical artist. Everyone looks really distinct and realistic. But there are two shots I really love in here and, uh, feel free to come off and like, continue the conversation. But one is, um, when Batman is at the, uh, that, that on the rooftop fighting and the cops are running around saying like, like who's this guy? And he just runs up and slugs Gordon in the face. That, I think, was a really, and, we, and so I mentioned earlier, but I think that was a really good uh showing of, you know, this is not your normal Batman in a way that wasn't, it didn't feel forced, but, like, it felt very symbolic as how different this world is, but, and, you know, keep on reading, it'll turn out, it'll turn out all right in the end, but I thought that was a really nice shot. It was such a visceral, you know, it grabs your attention, and it's just like, you know. Batman versus the establishment, how he's different from the police in all forms. I thought it was really excellent. And my personal favorite shot of the book um was at in the third act, in the end, when um, everyone's looking for Barbara, and she starts screaming as the birthday boys come up on her. And Batman, the, the double-page splash where Batman bursts through the door, or bursts through the, the wall. I wish I had that as a poster. That is such a cool image of this burly, big, beefy uh serial killer. And Batman just like just with this determined look on his face just smash into the wall. I love that shot. I'm looking at it right now. I think it's just it's really really awesome artwork. Very very cool.
3: Yeah, just going back to the map quickly as Dustin was talking about. I think that's a, a really cool image, and this is the way that it's sort of Gotham spiralled out of the madness of Arkham, and it kind of shows that in the map. Uh, I thought it was a really cool design. Um, not sure how much it makes sense architecturally, but it's still a cool image um as for I mean I think Gary Frank does a lot of really iconic looking shots of Batman in this uh throughout the book, some of them which you know you could see his posters and things like that, and just ones which you could call back to when you want to look at iconic shots of Batman, but the one that stands out most to me is him bursting into the cheesecake party we can call it, <laughs> where he's uh kicking through the window and bursting in on penguin and the the charity ball and um it reminds me a bit of. Uh, Frank quietly uh, maybe it's just the pose but from the the cover of Batman and Robin where he's crossing legs with Damien when they're fighting I know that was um, Dick Grayson but still and um, it's something about that and uh, maybe it's the costume as well but it reminded me of that but I still thought it was a really cool scene and uh, a great two page spread yeah so many good things to talk about I also liked sort of the Superman-esque
1: pulling up in his shirt uh, to reveal the bat symbol at the party. I thought that was great. And we cannot forget, you know, young Bruce entering the mausoleum and then bats knocking him backwards, which is just sort of the I mean that's a sign that, you know, yes, father, I will be that so yeah, <laughs> just great art all around.
0: Alright, so then my final topic that we're gonna talk about is some of the hints at some of the future storylines uh, that could possibly come from just what was hinted at in this first, um, this first issue. So, the very first thing I want to bring up is, um, the Crane Institute. Um, clearly, Arkham Asylum is not existent in this. Um, instead, it is called the Crane Institute, um, where the criminally insane go to serve their time for the crimes that they commit. Now, this is interesting because this kind of falls back to Again, what Don was saying earlier, where it ties to some of the Nolan films, where specifically um, in Batman Begins, where Crane is there, he actually makes a point, uh, you know, he's serving as a person for Arkham Asylum, and Rachel Dawes at one point says, oh, you're going to commit him so he can be taken to your asylum where you, you know, you, all, you, you take all of the people that you want to your asylum. So it's interesting because obviously Jonathan Crane could play a part in a future storyline. Well, I mean, obviously in terms of uh, what can come up next and what they were setting up uh,
2: for me, and uh, I thought what was really interesting was they they set up the whole whole uh uh dent thing with uh, his twin sisters because they were sort of like in the background uh, causing Mayor Penguin trouble, but now that he's dead, gleefully. Um, Mayor Dent is now uh Jessica Dent, his twin sister and Harvey's DA. I think he's always the DA in the story. But I expect them to play more a more integral part because of the whole duality aspect now that we've established Batman. Uh I also expect I I'm 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 interested in seeing where Bullock's going and I'm interested in seeing like the very end now that Batman's an established crime fighter, how he's gonna put up with I'm wondering if they're gonna play up a super villain angle with uh the Riddler in the last in the last um Page. If they're going to go with a more superheroic angle, or if they're going to go with, stick with this more realistic, down to earth thing, and see if if the Riddler is just like a cyber criminal or uh, a private eye who's against him or whatever. Because I, I don't, I would not mind if they didn't go the whole superhero, supervillain route because it's different. And I'm wondering how much the Riddler is going to be like. Because to me, this this kind of reminds me of the Jim Carrey version from Batman Forever, and the little we get from him here, who was like kind of like you know who is Batman, all that kind of stuff. So. I'm interested in how we're gonna play that.
3: Yeah, I think going back to what Don was saying about um Harvey Dent and his sister, uh I think it'd be interesting if they did something with like a two face except instead of a split personality, you know, you have the twins and linking to the duality of that and then I mean when you see Bruce punch uh Harvey Dent in the face and he sort of pulls the iconic two face face with his, you know, lips splitting apart and exposing the teeth. So, I, I think that might have just been a like a little Easter egg, but it definitely hints towards it. And there's a possibility for that to be explored in a in a sequel down the line. Although I think it's most likely that we're going to be seeing the Riddler. I think it's already been revealed that he'll be the villain in the next book. Uh,
1: I would be remiss if I did not mention what happened at the end of this. Uh graphic novel the fact that you know as is sitting in a library where she belongs of course mm-hmm. um drawing you know a costume and of course it's a costume that could potentially be bad girl and i, I just love, like uh seeing Bab, seeing the beginning of her and, and really laying the groundwork potentially for that character now whether or not that'll happen next um Next volume, I don't know, cause, I mean, she didn't really talk at all in this one, but, uh, I feel like the next one we could at least get to know her character better, and then perhaps the third she'd actually come in. um and then of course she's sad birthday boy in his lick with a steak, I don't know, but that was a Snyder flashback for me for sure. <laughs> but no, it'll be great to see how Batgirl is brought in, and it'll be interesting to see if she makes it in before Robin does.
0: Which is actually interesting because that could actually play into the the way they did it with the Batman TV mm-hmm. series, yep. where Batgirl appears before Robin.
1: Ooh. Hey, you accept it? No.
0: Even though the show's over, no.
1: <laughs> it was a good show. Are there any others?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, I have one more. Okay. So, another one that I noticed, uh, which may not be huge, but it could be something that could pop up, is, uh, they mention when Bruce visits Lucius Fox, he mentions that, uh, he's aware that his, that Lucius Fox's niece is the reason why he's doing what he's doing with the prosthetics and technology for the prosthetics. So, that, that's something that could come up in the future as far as, uh, maybe it could be revealed why she is, uh, why exactly she has the need for a prosthetic, and, and the, maybe the reason could be that, you know, it had something to do with the bad side of Gotham City, and because of that, that's why Lucius Fox feels the need, despite the fact that, you know, he, you know, they're probably gonna play it off as he doesn't necessarily know, just like in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises where he doesn't admit that he knows. He just play, you know. He like turns a blind shoulder, and I think it's his reason. It could be. His, it could be revealed that it's his reasoning for helping Batman ultimately because he knows the evil that Gotham has, and he's hoping that Batman can change that.
2: concur, I agree.
1: Uh, well, one of them, you know, you've got to turn out of Gordon because the entire first, I guess, first two thirds or so. I- I guess you could do the first half of the graphic novel, you got Gordon really going along with everything because he didn't really see there being another way and why I sort of go against the, <laughs> the, the flood of the evil river that goes through uh, Gotham. So then we see this sort of turnaround. So that's definitely, I think, selling the seeds for, you know, the next volume really starting to clean up these streets and really starting to lay the smack down. So I, I that'll be great. And then we've got Bullock. We talked about him in front of the liquor counter, which that, I mean, that could be like, what is that, Demon in a Bottle style? Maybe. And, of course, Alfred. Alfred in the end. Uh, just, just turning out to be more than butler and, and getting to a good place, I think, in the relationship between Alfred and Bruce. All
0: right. So with that, let's uh, rate Batman Earth 1. I am going to give Batman Earth 1 a total of four and a half out of five Batarangs.
2: I'm inclined to agree. I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Do four and a half out of five batterings.
3: Yeah, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. But I think it sticks. I think it's too safe of what it does. So I'll give it four out of five batterings.
1: And you know, I'm gonna, you know, once the blue moon does happen, people I'm gonna agree with Dustin uh, himself and say four and a half out of five batterings.
0: All right, so that is going to give Batman Earth 1 a total of four and a half out of five ranks. That is the end of our first part of our OGN special. The reality is the specials are going to be broken up uh, with one graphic novel per episode just based off of how long these episodes are going to be. So we're not even going to call this part one. We'll call it episode one of the uh, OGNs. So with that, uh, you can check out the Batman Universe specials for the future episodes they will appear on that feed but uh, this is episode one of the batman graphic original graphic novels so uh, we do have at least three more to cover so be sure to check out the website for those also be sure to check out all of our other podcast feeds and the website for daily news And you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is Joy.
1: And this is Stella.
0: And you've been listening to the first episode of the Batman Original Graphic Novels. We'll see you guys next time.
2: Take care, everybody.
3: See you soon.